Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 64. And it's a full crew again tonight. Joined tonight by both Sam and Justin. We'll talk a little bit of basically all the Seattle sports tonight. Um, we're going to try something kind of different up front. But before we get into that, obviously want to do what you're sipping on. Samuel, let's start with you tonight. What are you sipping on, sir? Oh, you guys are in for a treat. I really mixed it up here, and I'm actually drinking a beer. And what? It is... you're, you're down to get bloated tonight. I'm already bloated. <laughs> beer Happens doesn't inst- instantaneously. Yeah. No, you when you live the bloated life, the beer doesn't add any additional bloat. <laughs> uh let's see, what do I have? I have a Voodoo Ranger Juice Force Hazy IPA, mm. which is 9.5%. So this is fixing to get a little wild at some point. And then if I make it, if the podcast makes it, I have some Jack Daniels waiting. Waiting, riding the pine to come in to the game here at the end of the podcast. So that's oh, you what know I'm we'll sipping on. You know we'll you? Make it. Well, yeah, of course. We're talking dogs. Well, it'll be a minute. How about you, Justin? What are you sipping on? Starting with the Kona Light Blonde Ale. Very light. Just taking it easy tonight. You know, we can't just get all crazy like we did a couple weeks ago where I was double fisting beers and the whole thing. We gotta, we gotta ease in. Got to keep, got to keep our composure because you know hmm. it's not not the happiest sports fan right now, folks. So if you say- haven't, go back and listen to that next last episode because I think that was Justin at his finest. I don't know. I don't know. Finest is the word I would use, but you know, uh, <laughs> rambunctious is maybe a better word. But yeah, it's so we're spirited. just gonna, we're, we're gonna keep calm tonight. Wink. The true the true fandom came out, I think, in you, Justin. Sure, sure. We'll go, we'll go with that. I like that. That's what, that's what we want on this podcast, though. So try try to keep that. You know, you can you don't have to drink into it, but mm. try to keep that going. I want that energy. Connor, what are you sipping on? Uh, I'm on that note, also going light as well with just a rainier right now. Classic. Um, might grab a second, but we'll we'll just see where where the night takes us. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to start something a little bit differently this year. This was, uh, wow, this podcast, not this year. Um, this <laughs> well, technically, technically, it's kind of like, you know, new. It's a new season of the podcast with the football season starting. So I can understand that. Yeah. I mean, we're That's the two or three episodes into the football <laughs> season. <laughs> yeah. But thanks for, thanks for trying to I try. Try. Yeah. I, I appreciate your, uh, your friendship friendship there sam uh we're gonna try something a little bit different on this episode and we're essentially obviously we're gonna deep dive on the dogs today we're gonna focus on that on this podcast but we do want to cover the other sports and each of us is basically going to take one of these teams give a little intro and then we'll have a little bit of a discussion after each of those so without further ado justin yeah. How, how are our Seahawks doing after after you know the last time that we spoke on this podcast, we were pretty fired up about beating the Broncos, beating Russ at home, you know. Mm-hmm. Pretty fired I'm, up. I, I, I'm on a high. I'm like, maybe we got seven wins in us this year. Or no, you were thinking with that schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You What's did happened say that. since then? 
Well, 4-0 is out of the picture. I will say that. So after, oh. you know, beating Russell Wilson, winning the Super Bowl, City's going crazy, Russell Wilson's dog shit, you know, the whole thing, which the last part is up for debate still, I guess. But everything yes. else, yeah. Uh, we went down to San- Santa Clara, lost 27-7, to didn't score an offensive point in that game. So that was fantastic. And then had a nice home game against the electric Atlanta Falcons. And I mean that literally because they could do whatever they wanted offensively against the Pete Carroll defense on his 17th defensive coordinator. And we lost 27 to 23. And, you know, Pete Carroll was very frustrated post game after this Falcons game. He said, you know, we made this 50 50 stat, you know, number of completions plus number of you know, great runs. I don't understand how we lost this game. Well, Pete Carroll, you lost this game because your defense sucks ass. And if you look at (laughs) defensive Seahawks, bad defense, you know, what comes up 2021 article, September, is this Seahawks 2021 defense going to be the worst defense of all time? 2020 halfway through the uh, season when Russell Wilson was doing his let Russ cook stuff is 2020 Seahawks defense going to be the worst of all time. And so we just can't start a season, honestly. He doesn't know how to coach. He doesn't know how to scheme. And he just has this bend, but don't break bullshit. I'm going on a ramp. Uh, bend, but Do don't it. break bullshit. And you saw what happened on Sunday against the fucking Atlanta Falcons of all teams. Marcus Mariota, trash Oregon quarterback, running out there like he's fucking Mike Vick on us. Ugh. Like, like he's a Heisman front runner again. Or Corderell Patterson, like didn't oh. even know that dude was still in the league. And he's he like 39. Like, I That's know. not true, but I mean, he's old and he's new, newfound, found God running back. And he's like 140 yards or some shit. Yeah. On like 17 yeah. carries. Uh, it's just maddening. And so what we need to do to conclude my rant, fire everyone, go one in 16, tank, and we get a quarterback. I'm done. Guys, what did you what do you think about the Seahawks? <laughs> I think he covered happening. It. Yeah, I think he covered it pretty good. Yeah, no, I I have nothing more to add. Let's move on. No, uh yeah, I mean the tanking is happening, whether unintentionally, yes. Yeah, whether it's intentional or not. Again, I texted you today. That's at least what Pete wants you to think is that it's <laughs> right. unintentional. Right. Maybe Pete's just got his greasy little fingers behind this whole scheme for CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. I guess that's the only topic I feel like is like worth talking about at this point as far as because I think we can all agree, even though I don't think he's the focal part of the problem as as, as far as the, the team's struggles. Geno Smith's not it <laughs> uh, as, as far as the future of this franchise. So. Very likely, we're going to have what a top 15, 10, 15, or top five pick or so next year. Maybe two. Maybe, maybe top one, uh, mm-hmm. but like likely a top five at this point. Um, maybe two top 10 picks. Yeah. Um, what's the quarterback that you guys have circled out of, out of all the names that are sexy? Sam, uh, Michael Penix Jr. How about oh that? Oh my God! Really? <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> I, like I love I love Penix, and we'll have plenty to talk about with with Big Penix energy later later this episode. But um, I would be... really I would really worry about his injury history t- drafting him that high. Well, especially behind our offensive line. Granted, 
the tackles have been our best offensive linemen as rookies, which isn't what you want. They have not graded out well across the board at all. Like I'm pretty sure either our center or right guard is like the lowest ranked or the the worst performing at his position. Center like, you're thinking of. Yeah, it's like 29th in the league. Was it yeah. Blythe? Blythe, Blythe yeah. Whatever That's his name center, is. Yeah. yeah, like out of 52 centers that have played a minimum amount of snaps, he's the lowest graded out. Like, that's awful. So I know I'm kind of roundabout answering the question, but to your point, yeah, it, it's fun in games throwing Michael Penix Jr.'s name into that category, but his injury history isn't going to let him go as high as the Seahawks are going to be. And I wouldn't feel great about that given the the current state of our offensive line can't really right. protect that well either. I think at this point, you're obviously looking at Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I'll admit, I haven't watched enough of either of them, but particularly I haven't watched a ton of CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. I think Bryce Young looks really good, but for the same reasons, it makes me nervous. He's not a big dude. He's really yeah, not he's big at small. all. And so there's things that I worry about at the next level of seeing the middle of the field, like the height thing. While you can succeed, obviously, like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson have succeeded in the league, like it is a problem. And you've seen somebody like Tua say it out loud, saying the quiet part out loud at his press conference, like, I can't see you. You can't see me in the middle of the field. So, like, as there's part of me that's like, I think the ball looks the prettiest coming out of Bryce Young's hand. And I like what he can do with his legs. I'm nervous that he's potentially not going to pan out at the next level. What about you guys? Who who do you have circled? Justin, go ahead. I kind of have a similar answer to you. I mean, Bryce Young tends to have the dog in him, you know, coming back, even playing terrible against Texas earlier this year, leading that great drive and just previous seasons he's had. CJ Stroud might like have better NFL measurables, but again, I usually do this like scouting after the season. So I want to look back at all the tape and everything, but it's going to be close. I feel like it's going to be close and whoever the top two teams are, would be happy probably with either. Is there any other name at this point that you would like throw in the mix with them? Like I know I jokingly throw Penix in the conversation. Obviously he's, not close to that yet in my opinion but is there anybody else out there like the this tennessee guy that's like a heisman front runner right now yeah that's a lot of running that's like the reason why he's so high up there is because of his escapability and running i mean you see like lamar jackson in the league maybe but um yeah i don't know it I don't think he's quite as special as like Lamar was um, coming out. I think that's a pretty unique circumstance. I don't know. Will Levis is like yeah, one of the projectable name. guys. Um, like as far as he's just got all the measurables, he's a big dude, big arm um, playing kind of behind a shit office offensive line too. So not sure if you can take everything from his stat line this year um, for, for what it is, but um and I should know Anthony, this. Anthony, I know Anthony he was Anderson at... is or Anthony uh, Richardson. Richardson, yeah, the Florida dude um, is the other guy getting some pub as well. But I, I don't want to go that direction. No, he hasn't. No. I don't know if he scored this last weekend, but I remember the game day was at Tennessee. 
Florida and like yeah, there's a the ton swamp, of signs yeah. about how Anthony Richardson hadn't thrown a touchdown pass in like the first three weeks. So yeah. he's not off to a bang and start of the season. He had a what? really good game against Tennessee. He um, almost led him back, but yeah, it's not the direction I'd want the Seahawks to go. No, sure. I, yeah. I think I think it's basically Stroud and um and Young kind of above everyone else, and then there's kind of like a next tier that's just below that, and it's probably Levis is mm-hmm. the, the highlight of that. Where group. is Levis now again? I know I shouldn't. He was Kentucky. at Penn State, right? Oh, he's at Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. And there's probably a, a handful of other guys that um, will be kind of in that tier as well. But um, I think Levis is kind of the third main third guy that most people are talking about, at least at this this stage. So I don't know. That'll be an interesting conversation, I think, throughout the year as we kind of go throughout this college football season, too, um, is <laughs> who looks good, <laughs> who's going to look good in the Hawks uniform next year, you know? <laughs> Hey, the throwbacks are coming back next season, probably, because we're allowed yeah. to have another helmet. So Ooh, we'll have right. that silver helmet. Yeah, maybe a yeah. new era right. can be born without Pete Carroll. Um, <laughs> moving on. So, I mean, last lastly with the Seahawks, they play at the Lions at 10 a.m. this Sunday, our first 10 a.m. game on the road at the pesky Detroit Lions, who should have won against the Vikings. They kind of choked at the end. Yeah, yeah. they fell apart. How do you guys see this, uh, Connor? I'll start with you. How do you see this game playing out in Detroit against Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, and the hard knocks of the Detroit Lions? Not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the <laughs> don't the Lions like lead the league in rush attempts, like by a pretty large margin and rush success. But I know that they're out without Swift, which is a pretty significant. Yeah. Injury yeah. for them. I know it's I don't know about it. I don't have the attempts up, but I know they've had good success running the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Which does not <laughs> bode well for the Seahawks. They've very much struggled against the run so far this year. We we just mentioned that Corderell Patterson went off for 17 on 17 rushes going for 100 over 140 yards. Um not not what you're looking for from from that group and I I I see us struggling to stop stop their offense, even with Jared Goff at the helm. Um, so I I think we probably lose by at least double digits, probably Ooh. fourteen, probably fourteen points, two scores. We'll say. So that would make us one and three then. Far from four and zero that we. I'm back on. I'm back on my one and sixteen. <laughs> okay, we've we've got. We're just gonna flip flop. Even <laughs> yeah. if we win a second game this year and then like go the other way again, I'll be like, now we're winning one game this year, even if we had one two. I feel pretty good with my my three win projection at this Looking point. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here we are. I think all three of us are probably in the same boat, thinking that the the Seahawks are not going to be able to get a win against the lions is something I would never imagine I would utter in basically my entire life as an NFL <laughs> fan, like the Detroit lions have been awful for as long as I can ever remember. And like, yeah, I'd be surprised if the Hawks leave Detroit with, with a victory. I I think the only other thing to add there is Amon Ross St. Brown, I think is going to, do some pretty terrible things to our d- defensive backs if he so, plays oh is he injured 
he's, he's questionable. He looks like yeah. he's going to play, and Swift he's likely will likely play, be out. Yeah. Okay. Either way, like, I, I don't know. I project three wins. Like, I don't know where the other two are going to come from. So I, I anticipate it's not going to be good. It's early, early game. So that's going to be tough. Justin. One of the one of the best offenses against the worst defense maybe we've ever seen. Um, yeah, I still Lion, think twenty twenty was the worst, but yeah, that was really bad. Yeah, that's true. Let's go thirty four fourteen Lions. Wow, thirty four pretty bad. Mm-hmm. What if if that happens, Justin? Like, what what becomes the conversation? in in seattle like on sports talk radio around this team how do we flex how do we flex out you know how fox does the local area market where they always show like they'll always show the seahawks like how do we get a different team in that slot i think becomes the conversation (laughs) (laughs) or just showing replays of the uw game the night before yeah i think you're gonna see or show the 2013 seahawks (laughs) yeah week by week yeah. 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 Um, no, to answer your question, I think the talk becomes what's the future of this team? Geno Smith is fine, but you know, when do we try to see if Drew Locke amounts to anything? Right. We for him. We specifically asked him to be included in the trade. So if we're not playing for anything, might as well gamble and see what he has to offer. Yeah. And do then, you predict that he's gonna play it within... at some point this season? Maybe around week eight, week nine ish. Seems reasonable. Seems right when we're like one and seven. It seems like a good time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) When we've lost seven straight. (laughs) And then after that, I think it becomes a question of long term. You know, we're going to get a top two pick at that point. So do we want Pete and John leading us into the next era or do we want to start afresh and build from the ground up? So I think that becomes the question. Big questions to be answered after this Sunday against the Lions. You know, the future of the Seahawks are in the balance. In the balance, that's right. Segwaying to our next team, the the future of the Seattle Mariners is looking pretty nice with some of these recent signings that we've had. So, Connor, why don't you fill us in on what's been going on at T-Mobile Park? Yeah, well, we'll start with the good then, given your transition there that uh, we were hoping that this would happen. And the M's and Luis Castillo did ink an extension, um, come to an agreement on a five-year, $108 million extension that makes him a Mariner through 2028. So that's excellent news. You've just basically solidified your rotation for the next five years, essentially, if you want to. With You have Luis Castillo, you have Robbie Ray, you have... Kirby and you have Gilbert. All those guys are under contract through 2027, I guess, Ray. But yeah, like that's looking pretty good. You know, I guess next four years. Sorry. So you have four out of your five slots already filled, essentially. Plus, you have Flexen for next year. You have Marco Gonzalez through 2026. I'm not super high on really either of those guys. I'm You're high still- on Emerson Hancock, who's coming up though probably going to end up being that fifth starter at some point. Um, I'd probably as soon as next year. Um, and that's, I, this league's all about pitching, you know, like if you have that kind of rotation and that kind of dominance throughout your rotation, you're going to win a lot of ball games. And 
that's that seems like it's going to happen for the Mariners for years to come, which is exciting. Now, this current team, this team that's supposed to make the, the or break the playoff drought for us, is limping, crawling, drunkenly <laughs> staggering to the finish line here as we approach the end of the season. I don't know if Service and Depoto just have it in the cars. They're like trying to blow games to stay in the sixth seed, but they are not making this easy on themselves right now. And to add insult to injury, literally, you have Julio on the IL now for the next 10 days with a back strain, I think is what they, they ended up calling it. Um, Gino Suarez was out for 10 days. He just got back tonight and is DHing now with a he's got a broken tip of his finger, basically a fracture in the tip of his finger, throwing hands. So we don't know if he's going to be able to field. Apparently he was taking ground balls before the game today. So maybe that's a sign, a sign of good things to come. Um, but we'll see about that. Um Brawley's nursing a thumb injury right now. I know that Winker got hurt the other night. Um, so this team's really struggling to, to get to the finish line here. And the chances are still heavily in their favor that they're going to make the playoffs this year. But it's mostly because of that, that new playoff spot now. They're, they're likely going to be that sixth seed, the third wild card spot, um, based on how this is going. And they're losing against the Rangers again tonight. Fortunately, the Orioles lost already. Um, they just blew an 11-2 lead against the Royals on Sunday. It's just... That was insane. Talk yeah. me off of a ledge right now, guys. Talk me off a ledge. Like, Justin, you've just been saying, don't worry, we're going to make the playoffs. But, like, the Mariners fanning me, <laughs> I just... I, I can't help but think that, like, something's going to... Ha- crazy's going to happen. They're just going to fucking blow it. It would be a monumental collapse. I mean, ESPN as of right now has the Mariners at 99.9% chance to make the playoffs. So that would be like the equivalent of blowing an 11-2 lead probably. Well, that already happened. Which never happens. (laughs) No. I mean, looking at the only team, realistically, that can usurp the Mariners and the Orioles, they still have to play the Jays, I think, for three to end the season. Um, they play some AL East rivals, so they're not like it's not like they're hitting it out they of the park the either. Again. They play the Yankees. They're five and five in their last ten. But the Yankees already clinched the division, so right, you know, not a lot to play for. Aaron Judge is still going to be hitting them dingers though, so should be okay there. Trying to, trying Probably to, striking out, trying to, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're going to be fine. You know, we have an easy schedule. I know it only matters if we win and we're not, but, you know, it still helps to have an easy schedule because instead of three and seven in our last 10, we might be 0 and 10 with how we played. So, yeah, it helps. And we're going to get to the sixth seed. We were having that debate, you know, weeks ago. Would you rather have be the four or the six? We agreed five was a terrible place to be. And it looks like we're going to be the six, likely. So that's great. We're going to go to Cleveland. We beat them a shit ton this season, so no problem. We'll go there, win that in two. We won't even have to go to the third game because we'll win it in two, get a rest day, and then we'll get some home playoff games. Where did this optimism come from, Justin? 
I mean, when you when you compare this to the Seahawks, it's <laughs> night and day. So, I mean, it's not even close. You're talking about playoffs? See, I'm just laughing at the Seahawks situation right now. Like, that's the that's the part of my grief that I'm in, is I'm just finding just humor ima- in it. Yeah, I guess imagine if this was happening to Huskies, probably a bigger fan of that team, right? And it's like yeah. How mad well, I mean, that was, That's kind of that like last where year. I... Re- sure, yeah. So, yeah, I was pretty upset about that. <laughs> so, I mean, the Seahawks have been my favorite team for a long time, and to That's see fair. them in this place is, you know, bad. But anyway, back to the Mariners. I mean, I, I think you have to come in. We haven't made the playoffs since 01. 99.9% chance of making the playoffs. I mean, I think it's a reason to celebrate. Yeah, I totally agree. And I honestly, you know, yeah, we're running the risk of not being able to host playoff games in Seattle, which would be a shame given the fact that we haven't been in the playoffs for 20 plus years. But I remember even in the last episode that we talked about this, you know, do we want the four? Do we want the six? Screw it. I I want the six spot. I want to go. <laughs> I, I remember saying this and this is how I feel. I'm going to stick to my guns. Let's go earn it. As long as, you know, we're going to go play Cleveland. So Robbie Ray is going to be good to go. So you avoid that bullet and then take care of business against a team that we've had their number. And then you're in a series with the Houston Astros who've been the bully on the block for the last five years and really had our number throughout the regular season. And if we're, if we're in it to win the world series and win the last game of the season, you got to beat the best. And so I want to be the team that knocks off Houston and set it up for a championship series against the Yankees. I just think, you know, East coast versus West coast would be awesome. ALCS. I'm see Justin doing things in his head. For like the I... sixth seed, we'd play the Yankees in the divisional. N- we would. Yep. Oh, I think well, I think you're thinking my of this correctly then. though, because you wanted you wanted the four seat. You had come around to the four seat. Yeah, yeah I had convinced last you. Episode. Yeah. Um, well, and that's either the path way, that you're just talking about now. Yeah. You know, well, don't listen to me. I want to <laughs> be happy that we're in the playoffs. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, if you if you looked at this year, why the would you, hold on hold on? Why would you guys let me go? Success, why right? would you guys let me go on the whole Houston ramp like that for so long? I wanted you... to see where you ended up. Uh, well, we didn't know where it was going until the end. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Somebody need to help me out. It's I like a like car a that was swerving, Thanks, but it was still on the road, so it could have stopped. But then you, I you had know. two wheels in the air on that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> you might have saved it. You could have saved it. Yeah. No. No. Put it in reverse, Terry. Go, um, Terry. <laughs> uh, so that's where the Mariners sit right now. I mean, 10 games to go, including tonight's game, which looks like a loss at this point, but we'll see. Um, down two to zero in the eighth inning. Um, four hits. Not great. Um, but obviously, the, they have a favorable schedule, but they have to beat the teams on their schedule. And we said that last time. So I... Until they're in, I'm not celebrating. Like, until that magic number is down to zero, I'm not celebrating. Hopefully they, hopefully they uh, make us proud down the stretch. If they make the playoffs, successful year. Hopefully they win a series, but successful year if they make the playoffs. So just limp your way to the finish line, please. 
All right. Uh, Kraken are next. And Sam, I think you're going to take the lead on that one. Preseason just started. Believe it or not, we're almost in our second Kraken season. How are things looking in, uh, in the down in the deep? I guess they're looking, they say. they're looking nice. I mean, we beat Edmonton Oilers 3-0 in the preseason opener, which was the first preseason game held at Climate Pledge last night. Um, which is super exciting. And even more exciting was Matty Beniers scored a goal in that game that was just like pure class, like world-class goal, um, bringing the puck down the left side of the ice. And, you know, the goalkeeper had the near post basically all covered up with like maybe a soda can-sized crevice between his shoulder and the near post and the crossbar. And Beniers just freaking wrist wristed that thing right in there. And it was just like a, a such a clutch goal. And for me in particular, it just like is really exciting. The last game that I went to last season was Maddie Beniers' home debut. And he's just a different caliber of player, definitely a different caliber of skater. It's obvious when he's on the ice that he's just way more in control, way more balanced and has more explosiveness on the skates. He has better control of the puck. He's one of those players that can bring the puck across center ice and, you know, dodge a couple of different defenders and make things happen with, with the puck at his feet. And so I think it's super exciting to see him start off with, with a banger of a goal like that. And I just, you know, I'm I'm fairly new to hockey, but watching the Stanley Cup playoffs last year and the stuff that the Ed, Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid were doing, the playoffs was just like super impressive. His ability to like single-handedly take over the game was really impressive with his ability to hold possession and, you know, just make clean passes, hit finesse shots. And I might sound like an idiot because I I'll, I'll admit I don't know the NHL and, and hockey as much as I do football, but I see a lot of similarities when I watch Matty Beniers and and the skill set that he has, which I know is like super super high praise, but that's just what I saw when I watched him in his home debut last last year. Was just like you can tell he's young, he's trying to gel with the team, but like far and away, immediately our our best player talent wise and so i'm super excited to see what he can do given he's part of this team in a major way for the remainder of the season um speaking of which the regular season will start on october 12th we'll be on the road against the anaheim ducks that'll be at 7 p.m on root sports and then your home opener against the vegas golden knights will be at climate pledge arena on october 15th at 7 p.m and again for for those of you that maybe didn't make it out to a, to a game last season, climate pledge arena is awesome. Like even if you haven't been there for a concert or, or a Kraken game, like make this be your excuse and get down there and watch the Kraken and check out the new arena because it is, it's nice. It's top notch. So it'll be fun going into year two. We'll see what happens, but I think Maddie Beniers brings an element to the team that we sorely lacked last year in terms of playmaking and score making ability. So we'll see. I think we'll be better this year. I, I'm not 
ready to say that we're going to be a playoff caliber team. We were pretty bad last year. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely we'll need to see our goalkeeping rebound to the form that we thought we were going to get out of them when we made the moves and made the selections in the expansion draft that we did. So a couple pieces will have to come together, but nonetheless, I'm, I'm excited that that Kraken hockey is back. I don't know if there's much for you guys to add there, but chime in if you'd like. It's just a shame Anaheim's not the Mighty Ducks anymore. It's a real shame. It's a missed <laughs> opportunity there. Well, and they changed the logo. That was, I right. think, in my opinion, one of the best logos mm-hmm. in all of sports. Yeah. That's well, classic. So yeah, classic. I agree. I agree. It's like the Packers changing their logo. Like, obviously, NFL because it's a just like a web, sport, but yeah. It's just a webbed foot now, right? Like, is the. Yeah, it looks like yeah, a dinosaur dumb. print in the mud. Like the I colors hate, are bad. I hate any team that their mascots the ducks. So mm, mm, valid. That's also true. Yeah. I, I'm here uh, for that. <laughs> thanks for backing me up on that one. Uh I just had like a couple of things to add there, Sam, and then and then we can move on to the meat meat of this episode. Um Veneers, I think, is super talented. Again, I don't know NHL either. Like, I think Veneers is super talented, definitely face of the franchise as far as like for years to come. I don't think that I see like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, uh, Brendan McKinnon, or what's the guy's name? McKinnon, the Colorado Avalanche dude. Like those are like the three like top players in the league pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. But he like, I mean, he could very well be in like that next year down, but those guys are like the elite of the elite. Like those are some of the best to ever play the game, you know? Um, by the time that Connor McDavid's done, like he's going to be up there with, you know, where Crosby's at now and where Gretzky was and stuff like that. Like those, those are super special talents. I, again, like, I just, I, I don't know if I quite see that in veneers. I do think he's really good though. Like you, you can definitely build around him. Plus you have Shane Wright too, who we haven't seen at yeah. all yet. Yeah, that's true. And I agree. Like, I don't think he's going to be Wayne Gretzky. I don't think that he's going to be, Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby or whoever else, but like it's pretty obvious to me with what I've seen from him that he's he has the ability to be one of the best players in the NHL. Like whether or not he reaches yeah. like the superstardom levels, who knows? But I think he's gonna be one of the better players in the NHL for a long time. Yeah. Nathan McKinnon was the guy I was thinking of for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, Veneers is class. Like he's going to be really good. And I think Shane Wright could be really good too. I haven't even seen him play yet, but everything that we were told is that he was probably the best, you know, all around talent coming out of the draft and he slipped to four and we, we nabbed him. So I think he probably could debut this year too. Um, may, might even make the team right off the bat because he's not in the same situation as Veneers was. Veneers was in college. This guy, I think, was playing in like one of the junior leagues or something coming out. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, like Sam said, regular season starts in like a little over two weeks, two and a half weeks. So yeah. it's coming up quick. That's crazy. It's already hockey season two. All right, guys. Well, let's... <laughs> start uh transitioning here to we we missed we've missed a couple games here you know and we weren't able to record last week and and talk about the big win over michigan state um 
which we will talk about on this episode, obviously. Um, but obviously we just, we could not coordinate our schedules last week. And, you know, me having a kid, Justin was just getting back from his honeymoon, transitioning to a new job. Sam's out of town. So it was just hard to coordinate our, our schedules last week. Um, but fortunately we're here that now we can talk about both these games. Sam, I want to pull it back to you again. Why don't you just give us a quick recap kind of, of what's gone on the last two weeks in, in, in Dogville and you know, what the good vibes are on Montlake. Yeah. Good vibes only uh, extend to UW for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, maybe delaying our Michigan state conversation by a week is actually going to make us, you know, look smarter in the end of it because that win all of a sudden doesn't look so great. <laughs> you know, I think if we had recorded Sunday or Monday after that victory, we'd been like, Oh, we, you know, I, we definitely led into that game saying that we, none of us felt that Michigan state was truly the 11th best team in the country, but we felt like that was a formidable opponent and would be a really good win. And, you know, now maybe it's, you know, Michigan state is looking like a mid to low tier big 10 team based off of their last two weeks of performance. So needless to say, we did beat Michigan state 39 to 28 at home. We followed that up with a pretty impressive win against Stanford 40 to 22 Although now we're kind of looking at those teams, neither team looks like they're going to, you know, maybe they'll both be on the bubble for playoffs. Stanford, maybe outside looking in, but I will say the scores don't really do it justice. 39, 28 against Michigan state and 40 to 22 against Stanford. Neither game was nearly that competitive. A couple garbage touchdowns at the end of the fourth quarter in both of those games. But I think the things that you're really looking at in both of those games is the offense is starting super fast, which is extremely refreshing. We've not seen that consistently across a four-game span like we have under Kalen DeBoer with Michael Penix Jr. at the helm. I can't remember the last time that we've started that fast offensively scoring touchdowns on our first handful of drives, game in, game out. Um This offense is also leading the Pac-12 in nearly every offensive statistic, which is great. You look across all the individual stats, and UW is in pretty much top five in the Pac-12 in every major statistic offensively. Um, I think we're starting to see Michael Penix Jr. get some Heisman hope. I think it's still really early, and some folks are more dialed in on watching those games than others. I'll admit I was on the East coast for this last game against Stanford (laughs) and I could barely keep my damn eyes open uh, in that fourth quarter. Part of it was, it was not a competitive game. The other part was it was uh, 1am in the morning. So um, I think he's going to have to do Penix and anybody else on the West coast for that matter, are going to have to do a ton to, to garner any legitimate Heisman hype, but needless to say, it's, it's nice that, his name is being thrown around in that conversation. And then the other thing that we've seen is ZTF is, is finally awoken and come alive. And we saw him flash the form that he did in the shortened 2020 season. And he looked unblockable against Stanford, to be honest. And team wide, we had eight sacks. The pass rush really came alive, which is something that we've kind of been hoping for, especially given 
some of the injuries we've had and, you know, the amount of pressure we put on our defensive backs and the young defensive backs having to step up that pass rush coming alive was really fortuitous timing. And, and that helped a lot. So that's kind of a recap. I mean, UW is definitely kind of a hot, sexy name in college football right now, given the fact that we're four and and the offensive numbers that we're putting up, I think is catching a lot of national attention starting to pop up, you know, what are, we're ranked 15 now, I believe. Um, yep. Got somebody that's name is getting thrown around to the Heisman boat. So things on Montlake are looking really, really good. Um, what are some other key takeaways that you guys have? I, uh, I mean, you just, you could not have predicted or scripted a better start for, for the Kalen DeVore era, just overall. Like I'm just taking a step back here and just looking at this from, you know, a bird's eye view, but I mean, the dude just seems like a complete culture setter and like he has completely changed the tone on Montlake. These guys are totally bought in. I know that we've talked about that on the podcast already, but it's just even more emphasized to the last two results. Um, and the schedule looks really favorable for them. You know, they avoid USC, they avoid Utah that at this point you're four and oh, you're only one and oh in conference play, but with the remaining schedule, you, you have to start talking about like this team could be competing for the PAC 12 this year, you know, pretty, pretty realistically. Could be college football playoff contender being honest. They'd have to run the table with the schedule, but yeah, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. It's a, it's worthy note of conversation at this point. I don't think oh, it's for likely. Sure. But like but they they're gonna have to beat someone though. Like they did like, anybody in this group have us at four zero? No. Yes, I did. I think. I think I think I did. Yeah, I had us. I had us winning against Michigan State and Stanford. Yeah, I had us. I think I had us losing against UCLA. I had us losing against Oregon State. And I think there might be some revisionist history going on. No, 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 no. I had us, I had us going for no. I was the only one that had us losing to Michigan State. Yeah. Further, you further were, proves you were, you were the believing idiot the Mel Tucker hype. Further proves the idiot that I am, apparently, today. <laughs> okay. So no, there we go. I, I didn't say that. That this does bring up a little bit of an interesting discussion. I apologize if this is kind of a tangent, though. But based on this start by Kalen DeBoer. I mean, it's not unheard of for college football coaches to get an extension after their first year if they have an impressive year, Mel Tucker. Um, would would you be comfortable if Kalen DeBoer ended up getting Mel Tucker's contract next year at this point? Yeah, no. I would be uncomfortable. Oh, so yes, yes, I, I agree with that. I'd be uncomfortable. What I would like to see is the... I don't think he'll command that kind of money. I don't think that he'll get 10 million a year, but he could very well get quite the bump pay bump after this year. He could be making twice as much as, as he's making now, which is three and a half. Yeah, he could. I, I would like to see more than one year. I get it. It's um, not, I mean, it's not even really his guys yet, too, right? Like mm -hmm. It, it you know, I was thinking about the recruiting this looks good, but I mean, transfer though. I mean, quarterback's the most important position, and that's true. 
That's, that's true. what I was going to say. I thought about this a lot today as I was rewatching the game and I was thinking to myself, like, you know, he's doing so well. How much of this do we chalk up to like, you know, he's playing with some Chris Peterson guys, some Lake guys, which for all intents and purposes are Peterson's guys anyways, that he recruited that Lake just kept in the boat. And then I came to the same conclusion that Justin did. Well, like, yeah, the majority of the roster is built from another coaching staff. The key players in that we're seeing, I mean, look no further than team captains. Like the fact that DeBoer has been able to go out and identify the key transfer additions in somebody like Penix or someone like Cam Bright's been in there a lot. I mean, Wayne Telepapa and Will Nixon. So, you know, I guess getting back to your question, I'm not ready to commit like 10 years, $100 million. Like we're talking Michigan about four State games did. here. So yeah, I get it. I'm just I, saying what like, I would like to see at this point though, is assuming the season continues down this path, whether we're 10 and two, 12, no, whatever it is, nine and three, like I would like to see the assistant pool of money grow, whether or not we extend the head coach, because I think you're going to have teams coming and poaching after this year for sure, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. So I would be okay if we committed an extra million, $2 million to the assistant pool. Sure. That's fair. Um, oh, the only other thing I was going to say, just like from, again, just like a, a general look at this team. I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast already, but if there's any, you know, susceptible part of this, this team, it's that, it's that pass defense, you know, like the secondary, especially depleted as they are, you know, they've had a few injuries there. Jordan Perryman hasn't played the last three games. Um, Asa Turner has been out the past couple the games. Asa Turner. Yeah. Hell yeah, baby. Yeah. Your MVP Asa. He just goes by Asa now. Yep. Asa. Uh, and then they were even without Mish Powell now for the next couple of weeks as well. And he didn't play this last game against Stanford either. So, I'll Pretty tell you what, there. number 22, Javion Green, the true freshman. He laid the wood. Big home bitch. Yeah, he laid the wood. <laughs> Big home bitch. He also got fucking beat bad in coverage a couple times. So, I mean, you're going to take the lumps with, with some yeah. of those young players. But I he, had he's no, talented. He's a dog. I had, I had no idea he was that big. Mm-hmm. He's 6'2", 210 pounds at corner as a true freshman. I thought he was – wasn't he like a – wasn't he like a linebacker almost coming in? I I don't think so. For some I reason, I remember was... like his name. Like, okay, yeah, I'm just high probably, but <laughs> high on no sleep. <laughs> Whatever um, drug that is, I don't want yeah, any of it. You guys, you guys try. It's great. Uh, it's not. <laughs> don't try it. Um. So that's uh, that's obviously like that could be the downfall of this team, like yeah. eventually, if 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 any team could take advantage of that secondary, um, we just we haven't seen a team be able to do that yet. We've we've seen them be vulnerable in certain moments, but not consistently. Um, so the the pass rush coming alive, you know, in the last couple of weeks and especially this last week with the eight sacks against Stanford. First time since 2016, which was also against Stanford, that they've had eight sacks in a game. Um, if they're able to do that, you know, 
not maybe not eight sacks, but you know, get several sacks a game and have consistent pressure on the quarterback that can help, you know, mitigate any kind of issues on the back end. But, it, you know, there, there's bound to be a team that ends up, you know, having a really good offensive line that we're maybe not able to get home for a couple quarters at a time. And how, how bad does it look on the back end when, when there's a clean pocket for the quarterback and time, time to go through his reads. So that, that'll, that's something to watch, you know, as, as we start playing some of these other Pac-12 foes in, in the weeks to come. Is DTR going to be the best quarterback that we face the remainder of the season? No, no. Probably, pro- probably by the end of the season, it'll be Cam Ward. I think Bo Nix will give us more trouble than DTR will. Yeah, I mean Bo's got a better arm for sure. Like he's he's more of a threat in the pass game. I think DTR will be the fourth best quarterback to have played against us if that makes sense like they'll have the fourth best game against is us. tanner mckee on there mm-hmm. then oh the michigan state guy uh i'm gonna go yeah whatever his name because he had a bunch of garbage time not that he was good yeah i don't know if i really count that but yeah that's yeah plus they just lost like basically 34 to zero at home against minnesota yeah, smoked <laughs> Um, yeah, that was bad. That's unfortunate for us. Not, not a great look for us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think we uh, you could look at it, but we broke Michigan State. That's that's the way I'm just going to look at it. We broke Mel Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Too worried about travel and not about, uh, you know, coaching the team. Yeah, I hope just, we don't go that route. I don't think we will. No, no time change to L.A., so we're okay. Yeah, that was weird. Like he made way too big of a deal about the fact that it got like, well, I think it's because of the history, like Michigan state hadn't won on the West coast since like 1970 something or 1980 something. Like it was, it was something ridiculous. Like they hadn't won in 30 or 40 years. Well, that's because Michigan state sucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> true. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. We didn't know, but they were 11th ranked of the nation two two weeks ago, and now they're probably not going to be ranked the rest of the year. So I think didn't they drop all the way out after they, they dropped all the way us? out after the loss to us? Yes. Yeah, they're still they ahead were... of us in the coaches' poll, though. Yeah, that was some bullshit. <laughs> I mean, was... Yeah, whatever. Coaches don't know shit. Uh, clearly. Yeah. There Justin, was a couple of people in the AP poll that didn't even have us in the top 25. And I think John Wilner thinks we're a fraud, by the way. Do you know, do you know that? He, he keeps that setting yet. on that too. Like he was on Softy's show last week going into the Stanford game, talking about like, hey, Michigan State, good win and stuff. But, you know, let's see if they can avoid the letdown game against Stanford. You know, I've had this as a loss all year. All year. I'm, I'm going to keep it as a loss. And then Softy flat out asked him, like, okay, well, if they beat Stanford at home, like, are you feeling better about Washington's chances this year? He's like, yeah, no, at that point I'd buy in. And then he's still, like, not bought in after that. He, he voted UW one of the lowest in all of the AP, maybe the lowest. He had UW at 20 at the, his poll. Yeah, I think there he had him at 20, 21. He had Wazoo at, like, 15. Yeah. And he had yeah. BYU at, like, 14 or something. Wilner, like, like you're fucking high bro yeah wilner yeah. is a rat yeah clearly scum he's getting paid by Conzano and the oregonian now and 
Yeah, he is. Bill like Konzano, I listened to their podcast and he had nice things to say about UW, but Wilner was. Gonzalo actually isn't really like he's not really I mean he's he's just from Oregon but he's not like an Oregon fan he's actually pretty critical of that program a lot so yeah my guess Um, is something happened when DeBoer was at Fresno State he must have snubbed Wilner could be yeah could be Connor you were asking me something before I I I so I just you off yeah I mean I, I don't know if I had like a it's a pretty broad and generic question but like now that you've been able to be home and watch a couple games, like what are your main takeaways on this offense? Like what, what does this offense? I mean, we saw this basically the same players besides the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback is a big deal. I get that. But like this offense is so light years away, like ahead of like where they were last year with roughly the same roster. What has changed and like, what, like what do you see in this offense that makes it so successful? Yeah, I mean it's totally night and day, right? It, yeah, I a few things. Obviously, number one, quarterback. I mean, I don't know if we'd be four and zero if Dylan Morris was our quarterback. Honestly, no. probably. I mean, maybe, two. but like it's scary, right? Probably two. I, and I don't two. know. No, maybe three and one. Maybe like, three and one. But does uh, Dylan Morris make that throw to the right, the front right corner of the end zone? To no, no, it's not happening. No, Penix has had a throw each week that's been like wow yeah i think he had one what against portland state that i was gone for that you said was the best throw in husky history or something sam yeah i believe you said that on the right yeah Have you, i'll i'll go find it and send it to you the, the i one, think i've seen it yeah it's yeah pretty the, the one to roam this last week for the touchdown was mm-hmm. that was a dime it was nice that's a dot dude so, like that's impre- yeah. that's an nfl throw that's yeah impressive so yes, quarterback number one. I mean, and then number two, and just I don't know if number two and three are in order, but I would say the scheming and the play calling and ingenuity of Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer. I mean, just how much pre-snap motion we have to unsettle the defense to what even the blocking assignments of the wide receivers of the offensive linemen are and the rub routes and everything to get our receivers open is so ingenious. Watching all 22 tape of the Michigan State game or just re-watching the Stanford game highlights again. It's just, oh, I, it's like from going and watching the other football team in town to watching that, it's just like, I'm just thanking the heavens that something exists to <laughs> satisfy my offensive thirst. And then third, I would say, you know, it was quite a disappointment last year, but the offensive line has really held up quite a bit. And I think there's, there's something to be said about the play calling and Penix being the quarterback to help out with that and probably yeah. a better leader and, you know, recognizing pre-snap and telling the offensive line to take up certain blocking assignments, but the offensive line has played really well. And you guys could go into in depth about how each individual person was playing, but I think no matter who's been in there, they've been excellent overall. So I'd say those three things without getting too far in depth. Yeah, for sure. I, the, the offensive line is a great point. I mean, they've given up literally zero sacks while right. Penix been the quarterback. And as, as a stark contrast to that, when Dylan Morris, in his very few snaps, has been a quarterback, he's been sacked, I think, twice. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Which it's so not all the same it's guys, not all, probably, yeah, but yeah. like at the same time, it's just like that that shows, you know, that the quarterback does matter. And uh, sack, sacks can be a quarterback statistic as, as much as it is an offensive line statistic. So, yeah. And I think that's what you, if you listen, and I would urge all Husky fans, all Husky fans to listen to the 
coach's press conference, particularly on Monday as they're like recapping the previous game, but also looking forward to the upcoming game. The Kalen DeBoer started doing this, which is the first time that I've seen it in Husky history, at least from, from my time as a fan, where instead of just the head coach coming to the podium and doing the press conference, he'll bring in Ryan Grubb every week. We'll do like 10, 15 minute answering questions. Then they rotate weeks between Cody C., uh, Chuck Morrell and Ray Inge. And it's like listening, listening to them talk and some of the answers and the insight that they provide is like so refreshing. And they actually are giving you real insight into how they think, how they coach actual game scenarios. And I think one of the things that they, you, you've, if you've been listening, you hear them say it multiple times both Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer in, you know, praising Penix. And part of the reason he's been so successful is to what Justin was saying, are those pre-snap reads in terms of shifting the blocking scheme towards a blitz, being able to help the center, Corey Luciano or Matteo Mele out in terms of making those blocking adjustments. Like that's a huge part of the game that's like very under-recognized, unheralded. But like, as I go back and I'm re-watching these games, like I can see the exact scenarios where Penix is like walking up behind the center and shouting out like blitzers coming from here. We need to shift protection to the left or he'll motion in a tight end that was originally planning to go on a passing route. He'll motion them in and bring the extra blocker in. And like, I think that is such a huge difference from what we've seen out of someone like Dylan Morris, Mm -hmm. where it's like that ability before the play even starts just seems like where Michael Penix Jr. Like, yeah, we've seen some magnificent throws, but it seems like he, before the snap even takes place, like he's playing chess and the defense is playing checkers and like, holy shit. When was the last time we felt that way about a UW quarterback? It, it, feels nice yeah there was a highlight i can't remember who posted i saw it on twitter but it was uh it was while uw was on offense and Penix was at quarterback (laughs) he was adjusting the 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 line pre-snap or doing a motion or something like that and he looked at the defense and before he hiked it he says like you can hear it audibly on 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 the on the broadcast you're dead ass wrong. <laughs> and then he hikes it. It was pretty funny. So but you think you like just, the I, defense was like calling out run, run, run or something. And he was just something, talking shit. Yeah, so, something was going on. And then, yeah, I think he was talking shit, but I mean, he's, he's earned it so far. <laughs> he's, he's in total control, man. The dude is playing Madden back there at this point uh, against the yeah, defenses he that he's played. So it it's refreshing it's i think we've used that word quite a bit on this on this podcast and in the beginning of this husky season um i just i i think we knew that this was a possibility but to really see it come to fruition i i mean it's gone better than i could have anticipated i think just overall yeah i totally agree and I know we should probably start shifting focus to a little bit to this UCLA matchup, but before we do, I want to throw a couple of bones to the under radar, under the radar players or parts of the game that I don't think have been appreciated. You know, it's 
Michael Penix Jr.'s name is all over the place. The wide receivers' names and and receiving stats are all over the place. Ryan Grubb, Kalen DeBoer, blah, blah, blah. All great. But I think there's a couple of people that need to be called out. One, Alfonso Tupatala, he is something. He's the best linebacker, the most physically gifted linebacker that we've had since 2016 in terms of just the way that he imposes his will on the defense is just like he is a war daddy at middle linebacker. The way that he blitzes just freaking blows up the running back stepping up to block him. He had two sacks that were pretty incredible. He's doing this all with one hand. He's got been wearing the, the Q-tip club on his left arm. I just think, you know, I'm so happy. I have been high on this guy before he even stepped on campus when he was at Federal Way. He obviously had a long rehab, like 16 months with Achilles tear. And to see him having the success that he is, is great. But even more so, like, while the way that he looks, the way that he moves, the way that he tackles when he arrives at the ball, just feels like a top tier program middle linebacker to me. So yeah. worth shouting out his name. And I think that was, became more obvious in the Stanford game. So maybe not so much under the radar. Someone who definitely is under the radar is tight end Quentin Moore, who is a local product. He had to go the JUCO route for at least one year, but um, he was on the team last year. He saw limited snaps. I don't, he was thought to be more of like the ASJ kind of receiving target at tight end. This dude gets after it in the blocking game. Like when I'm watching film and they're running to his side, like on a couple of Wayne Talapapa's big runs this year, if you look closely, who's leading the way? It's 88. I mean, Quentin Moore, I don't know if he's even caught a pass, maybe one or two but he's playing a lot of snaps and he's having a huge impact on this offense. And there's just been a couple of times where his blocking ability has really like jumped out on tape. So I figured it would be worth throwing him a bone. And in the same breath, these wide receivers are like night and day from what we're used to, like in the blocking game, they really, there was a run. I forget who the running back was, but there was like a toss to the left and the lead blockers on the outside were Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk. And they both were like in physical blocking matches with their DBs, both ended the play in a pretty violent way. And both of them were talking shit at the end of the play. Like we're going to be here all day, all night up in your grill. And it was just like, ah, you got to love it when your wide receivers are like that. And, and you know, they're making the finesse plays and everything, but the fact that they're trying to like physically impose their will is awesome. And then Carson Bruner, he's not the starting linebacker anymore. He was second on the team in tackles last season, but holy shit, he's laying people out on special teams for sure. Oh, like, yes, he is. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> he is head hunting. So I just wanted to make sure that we got that in and threw yeah, some bones that great. I think were worth throwing. So keep an eye out for those names when you watch this this Friday night game at UCLA because I do think it'll be probably a slightly more competitive game than what, than what we've been seeing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right, right. Real quick before we move on to the UCLA game, you mentioned the wide receiver blocking. The one thing that I love about this receiver group is it's been basically a different guy every week, like actually receiving the football, you right. know, 
you know, week one, it was kind of Taj Davis and a little bit of everyone, but like Taj Davis is kind of the standout guy week one. Yeah. Week two mm-hmm. is McMillan. Week three is Polk. This last week it was Odunze that had the huge game. You know, the the fact that <laughs> they're able to do that and not really miss a beat, that's I mean, that's special. And that makes you really hard to de- defend too. You when you're able to have that much success. And each of those guys has that big of games. So um, if they all have the potential of doing that, it's just it's that's going to lead to good things down the road. Um, yeah, so let's move on to this UCLA game, though. So short week, Friday night game, 730 in a very empty Rose Bowl. <laughs> um, 4-0, though, UCLA is a pretty unimpressive 4-0, I will say. Um, but nonetheless, you know, again, this is the first kind of true, I would say, bit of adversity that this team is probably going to have to, quote unquote, overcome with just being on the road, even though it's basically a neutral site game, because <laughs> there's not really going to be much of a crowd there. Um, so it, I, it, this team has not really faced adversity yet. You know, like they they were sure like the underdog kind of, but not really in the Michigan State game. But that wasn't like true adversity. I would say this is kind of like now they have a target on their backs. They're number 15. They're going into someone else's house. Who's also four and zero. UCLA is obviously talented. This is going to be like the first response to that for this team. And I, I'm curious to see how they handle that. Justin, how do you feel going into this game against UCLA short week, Friday night, Friday night road games, just tend to not, you know, bode well for a lot of teams, but like especially the Huskies in recent recent years. I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm nervous for this game. You mentioned the Friday night deal. I mean, what other conference does this to their teams? What other sorry, dumb. Power Five we're, conference? Do, does you this to us to twice this year. None. Well, yeah, not the second really, one is Oregon but... State, and we have a bye. Both teams have a bye before that game, so I think it's a little yeah. better, right? I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's... I think you're right. Yeah, yeah you can fact check me, but I'm pretty sure that's right, because Thursday game. Um, no, I'm nervous, though. I mean, playing a team that is 4-0, granted they've had a similar Quint Kessenich cupcake schedule to us, maybe a little more <laughs> cupcakes than we have, but... <laughs> It makes me nervous. They have a mobile quarterback, right? We haven't quite seen that. I mean, yes, the Michigan State QB could get out of the pocket, but not too much success. Uh, Kent State's probably really the guy, and even Portland State was kind of a right. And you know, UCLA has a lot more talent than Kent State does, just on paper, right? So it's going to be tough. I mean, going into a road environment, you know, we're not used to wearing white. You know, will Penix throw to the run? No, I'm just kidding, but. I think that UCLA is going to give us a game, right? It's going to be a weird environment. Like you guys were saying, not many fans. They're giving out free tickets for the game. I saw on Twitter to students and like Mm -hmm. package deals to, you know, the rest of the fans just to get people there. Uh, So I don't know. I don't know what to think of this. It's going to be, you know, on paper, you know, Penix is leading the nation in passing yards, right? I mean, we have one of the best offenses in the, I think we're fifth in FBS offenses through four games, right? I mean, everything is pointing our way, but road games, Friday night, you got to leave on Thursday, the whole thing ramping up 
getting the team DeBoer's first road trip. It's, it's scary. So while I think we have a better team, I am nervous about this game, Sam, I don't know if you have more, hopefully optimistic thoughts than I do, but I, I, I think it's going to be a game either way. Yeah. I think it'll be the most competitive game that we'll play compared to the previous four games. Absolutely. I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic. I just feel like even going back to the, some of the macro points that Connor made earlier, I just feel like I'm just so damn impressed by this coaching staff in Mm -hmm. terms of, you know, the scheme that we're running offensively and defensively for that matter, but particularly offensively is extremely complex with the motions, pre-snap reads, and the offensive line play has been, has been dramatically improved. And the thing that I think about in all of that is just like every single player on the field on almost every single play seems to just innately know what they're supposed to be doing. Like everybody knows what role they have to play. And what that tells me is that somehow, some way, however it happened, this coaching staff has totally gained the total engagement and trust of this team to the point that like, we are so much more dialed in as a football team four games in than I could have ever imagined in the first year of a head coach. Like even go back to 2015 or was it? Yeah or 2014 when Peterson came? Uh, Yeah, 20... Yeah, 2014. right? 2015 was his first... Yeah, 2014 was his first year. That was with... uh, Siler Miles. Siler Miles, and then it was Jake Browning's freshman year. Yeah, and like, granted, the cupboard, you know, was stocked differently between the two coaches, but like, it even took Peterson a while and his staff to kind of like, turn that program around and maybe it was more of a cultural shift from Sark to Peterson than it was like, you know, Jimmy Lake, obviously, but really Chris Peterson nucleus team in a lot of ways. Um, So from that sense, I just feel like this team is just clicking on all cylinders in such a well-oiled machine type way that I just, and it could happen. It is the first road game. I just have a hard time knowing that we know four games in, it would surprise me if we come on the road and like lay an egg and don't know what the hell is going on. And so like from that perspective, I think it's for sure going to be a competitive game. If anything makes me nervous on the UCLA side is, you know, we talk about the offensive scheme, the, for the Huskies last year and how much that's improved, how much the offensive line has improved year over year. One of the other big worries that we carried in from last season was our rush defense. And so far that seems to have been resolved, but I don't feel like we've really been tested with a super solid rushing attack. Yeah. Against UCLA with DTR and Zach Charbonnet, like this is the best rushing offense this at this point in the season in the Pac-12 and I we're really going to find out whether or not that rushing defense has been resolved or not year over year I think if we can handle the rushing attack this often I I just I guess if I had to summarize I think the Huskies are going to score a lot of points and I just don't like this game 
against Stanford, it felt like at times we were sputtering on offense and we still put up 40 points. Yeah. Like, this yeah. offense is going to score a really points. Good point. And so I, I just, I see maybe UCLA scores more against us than other teams have, but I have a hard time seeing them keeping up with our offense, even on the yeah. road, even being a Friday night game. Like there, it could all happen. I just, have a hard time based on what we know with the four games that we've seen. I don't expect anything different. Like we, we score 40 points a game. I don't think UCLA is going to score 40 on us. Yeah. I, I want to go back to your and like emphasized your point just on how dialed in the, the players are. And it, I think it just, it, they're so well-prepared you can tell right yeah. and mm-hmm. and 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 to emphasize that i'm i'm going to go back to this stanford game i that had all the makings of a letdown game right yeah. i mean stanford coming off of a bye you're coming off a very emotional win against michigan state um you know playing late at night and stuff like that like all, all these factors factor into you know possibly having a letdown game and no not at all like started just as fast as the other games essentially right um so i just wanted to you know further emphasize that point these these guys are dialed in they're well prepared and this coaching staff has has these players wrapped around their fingers right now um so that would lead you to think that you know we that's what we've seen so far it's just all of our games have been at home though you know we haven't we haven't been on the road yet so that's that's the biggest biggest difference here that's coming up against UCLA. Um, you mentioned their running it, rushing, rushing attack. And that's for sure, you know, kind of where it all starts with UCLA's offense. Justin, how do we combat that? And like, how comfortable do you feel with our current defensive scheme against that rushing attack and stopping not only a mobile quarterback in DTR, but a pretty legitimate running back in a, a you know, a guy that's definitely going to be playing at the next level level in Zach Charbonnet. Yeah, I'll answer that in reverse order. So going into the Michigan State game, everyone, everyone as in pundits, was freaking out about Jalen Berger and going against him into the UW sure. rush defense, and that was a mismatch and, you know, shut that down pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So as far as Charbonnet, I'm not – that's like of, de- of my defensive worries in this game for UW, that's pretty small. I would say how they use DTR for like, you know, run art run pass options or getting him outside the pocket is uh, worries me a little more. And so how we contain him and how are, you know, are we spying him on certain plays? Is he going to get cheap third down conversions? And that's not something we've really had to see uh, in other quarterbacks to, to get prolonged drives and make this game a little low scoring, giving more lower scoring than like 50 to 40 is where I'm getting at. Yeah. So I, I'm a little concerned. I think they're going to have a little success with DTR running out of the pocket. Um, with that said, though, I don't think that that's going to be enough for them to win the game alone on the ground. Fair. Yeah, and I think one of the things that'll be interesting is how that dynamic shakes out during the game. Like, right. You know, on the one hand when you're thinking about keys of the game, thinking about stopping the run, neutralizing the threat of DTR's feet, neutralizing Zach Charbonnet. Okay. Well then what does that leave the offense to do? Throw the ball. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't make me feel very good either. Like right. <laughs> defensive backs are especially with a quarterback that can extend the play and mm-hmm. yeah. run around. You know, we've had eight sacks against McKee and McKee looked as mobile as the Stanford tree. Right. So, I mean, right. yes, it's not going to be like that against DTR. Yeah. So I, I fully anticipate UCLA being able to have their way with our defense at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think offensively, if, South Alabama can put up 31 points <laughs> no, again, on this coming. UCLA defense. I think your boys are going to be able to put up 40. So if it, if it ends up being a barn burner, I, I like our chances to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I've kind of been teasing it, so I'm just going to jump into it. I know there's probably a couple other talking points, but I have the dogs winning 44 to 30. I think, you know, that'll be the most points that we gave up. I think it'll be a closer game than maybe the score feels at the end. Maybe there's a touchdown on a long drive and a touchdown for the Huskies towards the end of the game. But I look at the way that we played against Stanford and I feel like the offense felt like they sputtered away a couple of chances to score touchdowns. And instead we settled for four field goals. So, you know, Maybe we get a little bit more efficiency gains going into this game. So I'm thinking we'll score 44. And then I do think that UCLA is going to score the most points that any opponent has so far this season. So I'm giving them 30 points. I think it'll be, I think it'll be something like that. I know both of you seem to think that'll be a little bit closer, but I think we all agree that dogs are going to win this game. (laughs) I do have a dog's victory. However, I do think that this is the first game that the Huskies trail at some point during the game. Oh, uh-huh. that's a good yep. point. I didn't I think agree. about that. So it's, it's going to be how can they respond to trailing and can they come back from a deficit? And I think they do. I, I, think, I think that they checkmark that and they end up coming out on top. But I think, it's, I think they eke it out. And it's... I think we're favored in Vegas right now by three, three and a half yeah. or something like yeah, that. Something like that. So well, I think we barely it started, cover. It started, it started like two and, two and a half. half. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. it's up to so, like three and a half in some places. It may oh. not, it may not be covering by the time Saturday rolls or Friday. Sorry. Wow. Friday rolls around. Um, but I have us winning by four, 37 to 33. Um, so I, I do think that it's it's gonna be nip and tuck. And I it, like that's not even like with UCLA scoring a garbage touchdown or anything. I think it's they like they could very well have the ball at the end, and we might be trying to keep them out of the end zone type thing. Yeah, it's gonna be nervy. I, I agree with the flow of the game there. I have the dogs winning 34 28. Uh, going into this episode, I had UCLA winning, so I do think it's gonna be we brought you back to our very side. back and forth and it could come down to what exactly what you just said UCLA having the ball at the da- at the end down six trying to score the go ahead touchdown so yeah i think michael penix uh i don't think i'm guessing that michael penix is going to have an early sack you know you say does have a former dog that is yeah. running riot down there right and so yep. he could get past one of our offensive linemen, give us in a third and long. Oh my God, we have to bring out our punter. 
you know, and one or two drives here that we're not used to doing, you know, surface isn't the same that we're used to. We're playing on grass instead of turf. What if he slips? It's a totally different yep. environment that we haven't seen. So I don't know. I think it's going to be a little low, lower scoring at 34-28, but um, it would not surprise me to see the UW get an extra touchdown there and UCLA as well. But What made you change be... your mind coming in as thinking it was a UCLA dub? What made you change your mind? Well, I've been going back and forth, and I just, uh, even though UW, I mean, UCLA has played the cupcake schedule. UW hasn't played anyone fantastic either. But really, what where I can't see us losing this game is just our offense is too good. Like I can't see us oh, not. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> beating UCLA, I guess. Yeah. If this was see. if this was Wazoo this week or Oregon State or Utah or USC, obviously, or I'm forgetting, maybe even Arizona, I think we might lose this game. Wow. I'm yeah. going to pretend you didn't say that. Okay. Yeah. I was like, you had me so punk. <laughs> and then you had to say but, some stupid ass shit like that. Well, I'm just saying we're vulnerable, but going, I think we'll be five and no going. And then who do we play at next? Arizona State, where they don't even have a coach. So, yeah. 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 So. On the road at 1 p.m. in Tempe, though. Oh, It'll yeah. Be, that kickoff time. That's interesting. In Tempe. Yeah. I think we're going to be okay. It's going to be like a 105 at kick um yeah that's gonna be rough i'm not going to that game i can't use the projector for that game either what the heck hey guys broke it out for the stanford game went pretty well might have to do it on friday night again i can only do a couple pretty pretty good pretty good i you know i i can only do it a few times a year and it's looking looking pretty nice that the weather i think it's like 60 or 69 70 degrees on friday night so Mm. Prime, prime, uh, prime projector weather. The other, the other piece that we haven't even talked about uh, from that Stanford game is that the the rushing attack kind of finally got going a little bit in in yep. that game, mm-hmm. especially with Talapapa. Um, and I've been pretty critical of him, you know, in his first few weeks, but he hey, I mean, he looked the part. I, I again, I don't see anything that's super like. I think pretty much anyone could have gotten most of the yards that he got. Um, I think the offensive line was opening up pretty massive holes for him for the most part. Um, but you know, he, he did gain those yards, so I shouldn't shit on him too much, but I also do think that there's just, there's more talent elsewhere in the backfield in my eyes than, than, uh, Wayne Talapapa. So I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's just, yeah. no, I, I general, I generally agree. I think Cam Davis was banged up, so he didn't get a, get a look Richard actually Newton's. what i heard is he wasn't banged up it was newton coming back they wanted to get him touches and will nixon came back from injury a little bit too gotcha. so like he just ended up kind of actually being, being kind of on the outside outside looking in which is interesting because i thought cam davis honestly looked like your best running back through the first three yeah weeks, but. he has but i guess like sticking to wayne telepapa i think he's he's just a good football player yeah he's yeah older he's, guy. he's, he's he fine does his he's job. good He's not going to, I mean, I want to say he's not like a game breaker, but he has, you know, he's pulled off a couple long runs already for touchdowns in the season. How much they look slow. (laughs) They look slow. They're big holes, but like at the end of the day, like he's get, he's getting the production that I think you need. Sure. It's not flashy. It's not sexy, but he's getting the job done. 
it's all we need That's when fair. you have Penix as quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't need to rely on our running game anymore. Yeah, for sure. Run the all damn right. ball, eh? <laughs> well, some uh, at least. Should have fu- not... fired him when we saw that right away. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. dead giveaway. Yeah, dead giveaway. Uh, what do we think about the drone controversy? Who's who flew the drone? I don't know. Both I think it was games. definitely the same guy for both games. Both though. Seahawks and right? the Husky game. I think it's Bill Belichick. I I liked the. Didn't I send you guys something? It was Jimmy Lake, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Trying Chip like Kelly looks like a you. guy that would fly a drone over a game. Maybe. I wouldn't put it, it past Chip. I wouldn't Chip, put it past all, Chip. All these yeah. guys have way better views via the, like, they have all the camera angles you via know? their film room and stuff like that. Why do they need an additional drone? But I guess whatever. I don't know. It's maybe. a matter of principle. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he's looking at the sideline calls or something like that instead of everything else i don't know i think it's definitely chip kelly if you're you know arrogant enough to make sure that there's a hot tub put in your football office (laughs) you're the kind of guy that's flying drones at at live sporting events guaranteed yeah yeah no uh last point that i'll bring up here we all have a dog's victory but i think we can all agree that the Huskies in the past, not only have they struggled on Friday night games, but they've also struggled in empty stadiums on the road. Yes. Mm-hmm. When they go to Stanford, when they go to Cal, when they go to a lot of these teams that don't have great turnout, they tend to put up lackluster performances. So I think Kalen DeBoer is going to have these guys ready to go. I think they're going to bring their own energy, but like, that's what they have to do, right? They have they they there's going to be no crowd that they can feed off of in this one. They're got to bring their own energy, and the sidelines got to be into it as well. Like every, all the whole team has to be bought into this game for for these guys to succeed on Friday night. Yeah, I agree. I think the thing that's exciting about this game is, you know, the theme of this season so far has been proving last year a fluke in the sense that like our offense is way better. Our coaching is way better. The team camaraderie and trust is way better. It's like, we have this opportunity to your point, Connor, like traditionally the Huskies under previous regimes have not done well in these stadiums has not done well necessarily on the road. And like, this is a game that like, if we have an impressive victory coming home Friday night, I think, you feel pretty confident that like these dogs are for real this year. Yeah. Like I think at that point, if we're able to have a good performance on the road against UCLA in a empty, no energy, no buzz type stadium. I think at that point, this team, this 2022 team has answered enough questions that like, yeah, they're legit. For Whereas sure. like, I feel like we sit here today and we're kind of like, you know, super pleased with how the season has gone but like still not totally convinced that we're the real deal yeah i think we get an answer this weekend which is always exciting yep for sure and they'll Mm -hmm. have another opportunity if they win this game to move up in the rankings a bit too because there's i'm counting two games between like both teams are top 15 so you imagine the loser of those games actually there's a third game between nine and 16 too so possibility there 
Um, but there's some possibilities this week of uh, obviously one of those teams is going to lose in each of those games and the dogs could jump them if, if they, if they win against UCLA on Friday night. So again, rankings don't matter too much at this time of year, but they are a projection into, you know, once we get like the C CFP standings and typically if you're kind of in the top 12 to start with, that's when you start having a chance at making some noise, noise in the CFP um early days though. <laughs> early days i don't want to get too far uh, too far ahead of ourselves or out in front of our skis but um but 4-0 and we're looking pretty good and the the schedule seems to be looking favorable all right anything else that you guys want to cover tonight before we wrap up i think we got it we got it three three of our next four on the road so we'll find out really quickly yep Yep, yep, we've had four straight home games, so we're gonna have mm -hmm. some road games coming up, and yeah, two straight, and then three of the next four, like Justin said. So, so what at UCLA, at Arizona State, home against Arizona, mm -hmm. right, and then at Cal. At Cal, that was the other loss that I had. So I had that as Cal. a loss. I so had at UCLA, at Cal, and then Oregon State at home, which would be losing. Th three out of four games i think i had at oregon and i think i said some crazy game like versus colorado little did i know they'd be the worst team no in no i think you had both at ucla and at arizona state maybe i know losses. i had something like that yeah because i was Cause four, you had four no, right a lot yes i was eight and four yeah which i would not pick now obviously right that would be pretty disappointing at this point right you guys can very agree on that? if we went four and four the rest of the way yeah yeah with the schedule Given that we have especially given what we've seen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think Apple cup is going to be pretty interesting this year too, guys mm -hmm. to look way in the future. Yeah. We'll see. Let's just have everyone I, stay healthy, you know, like we need. Yeah. I just want to I mean, see so much for Penix. Line. So much just like let Penix get a full year of college football would just be forget like how much that means for you to football, like for the guy himself. Sure. It would just be yeah. awesome for him to you put can a just full tell resume together. You can just tell he's a good guy too, right? Like he's an easy guy to root for. He's a natural leader. He says he's all the right things in interviews. Mm -hmm. he's, really he's a good, good football. I'm talking outside of football though, even like he just seems like a good guy. So it's hard not to root for him, especially when he's wearing purple and gold, baby. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the su support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Until next time. Go Hawks, go Nurse, go Kraken, and go Dogs!